Welcome back, listeners, to the latest Arcade Attack podcast. It's Adrian here, and today I've got another super guest on the show. I've got the Sega legend himself, Ed Annunziata. He created Echo the Dolphin. He was a key component of Sega's early success in the 90s. So sit back and enjoy some great stories from a true retro gaming legend. Welcome to Arcade Attack. <laughs> A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Panic Boom! Phoenix Bad Geek! Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the latest Arcade Attack podcast. I've got another really exciting guest on today's show, a real Sega legend. We've had many, many Sega uh, Proteges in the past, Michael Latham, we've had Eric Wahlberg, Eric uh, Quakenbush, but we've got Ed Anzuata. I, I can't pronounce his name very well. Ed, please, please give us your proper surname, please. Uh, Anunziata. Ed, you yeah. are, it's such an honor to speak to you, and um, we are huge fans of your games and your career, and it really is a pleasure to get you on the show. Thank you so much. Awesome. Good to be here. Thank you. I, I want to ask many questions today about, you know, your time at Sega and beyond, but I've got like a kind of sort of generic kind of overview question to start because you've been in the gaming industry, and correct me if I'm wrong, for I think over 20 years now. You've had a really... Yeah, easy. 30. It's an amazing... Easy. Yeah. F- f- 30 years, sorry, is that? No, no. Yeah. I'm old. <laughs> I mean, it's an amazing stretch and um, some people that you know very well uh, have left the industry and it, or they got burnt out or went on to the other projects or whatnot. I'd love to know what makes you love the art of gaming so much uh, initially and why you stayed in that industry and we're happy you are, obviously, but, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've had a long, successful career. What makes you love the gaming industry so much, if you don't mind? Uh, um, so, wow, how do you, how do you answer that? Uh... So early on, I uh, when I got involved, you know, eight bit games back yeah. on the uh, Atari eight hundred or Apple two. Um, you know, I learned how to program and started to make games, and you know, it was fun, and um, I just kept doing it. And um, I think over time, my brain wired to. Uh, game development or game design. So I just just find myself going through life, looking at everything and wondering, can that be a game? You know, can taking a a, a toll on a bridge be a game, or can um, work? You know, giving someone a haircut and a blow dry be a game? It's like every everything that happens in real life. I ask the question: Is this a gameable? mechanism and um sometimes uh sometimes the answer is yes and it's fun to to explore that so i guess i'm obsessed with making games but also now that i've done it for a really long time um uh i think i have more of like a philosophical feeling about game development like i think it's a bigger endeavor than people realize when you're in in it for a long time because you know you're simulating a reality and you're a god 
like you make an entire reality and with its own rules and um, and then you let it go and you let it run. And if it's like a good game and it's fun, it runs a lot and it just keeps running because many people are, are playing it. And you, you just feel, I feel that um, it's very satisfying to sort of unleash something that, that's kind of emergent and runs on its own. It's al- it's almost alive. So to me, that's, that's just like a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing to like, if, if, if you were a sculptor and you made a beautiful sculpture, um, a statue and you could be proud of it. Um, it's awesome. But like to have a game that, that runs and, uh, uh, is alive, um, you know, you, you feed it energy and it, it and it runs a little tiny universe inside the, the chips of your computer. Uh, it just, uh, I don't know, it's, it's just so cool and all, it's almost science fiction. And then the other thing, I, I really like the idea, you know, there's that saying like you die twice. You die when your body dies and then you die when, the, you know, the last person who remembers you doesn't yes. speak your name again yeah yeah well also you die three times actually you die when your code stops running that's the final <laughs> death so it's like right now there's you know probably four or five people in the world right at this moment playing echo the dolphin probably one person is playing three dirty dwarves and then shakan the forever man probably gets played every once in a while and at any moment yeah. in time somebody's playing one of my games and I think that's, that's the coolest thing. And even if they're not, I just tell myself that they are and it's just as satisfying. So I, w- I my goal is before I die is to make as many games as I can. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's a, that's an amazing answer. Ed. I appreciate that. And I, I'm, I, I agree with you that I bet there is people around the world right now playing your video games. Cause you've, you know, you've, you've created some, pretty big and epic titles and ever you know these are huge games and wow i love that answer thank you um, yeah, you're welcome. how did you get in the gaming industry was sega your first job or was you did you have other opportunities before that particular um part Ooh. of your career well I, I i was just when i was a kid i was just starting to get into computers and um y- you know i mean you know i was I, i'm a i'm a boy and video games are, are starting to occur. So I just love video games. And um, when I got, a, I got a little computer that I ordered from a magazine and I um, tried to make like a little man walk across the screen. That's all I wanted to do. So I learned how to do that. And I made, you know, this little, um, little man made out of like text blocks and basically reprinted him over and over again. Uh, to make it look like he was walking. But the computer was so slow that it didn't look like the little man was walking. It just looked like it was just being redrawn uh, over and over again as it moved across the screen. Too slow, too ridiculous. And I couldn't understand, like, how do video games, um, how are they so fast and responsive when my little walking man, you know, couldn't, make it across the screen in like 10 seconds. It's just way too slow. So then I, I discovered the, um, and I remember the feeling that when I discovered there's this thing called machine language, which is, you know, assembly language or the, the, 
the uh, what the the, the CPU uh, operates on. So this is yeah. the lowest level. This is like talking to the metal. And uh, you know, if you want to make something fast and responsive, you want to make a, a video game, you have to you have to do it in machine language. So um, not knowing it was a difficult thing. Um, I started to learn how to do that, and as soon as I made a man walk across the screen in machine language or assembly language, um, it, then I was hooked because yeah. he ran across the screen, and it was smooth, and then I had to figure out a way to slow it down, like to put a little spin loop to eat up time in between each frame of animation. Otherwise, he just filled the screen yeah, yeah. with uh, instances of the, the little walking man. So... Um, that I felt like I, I went like beyond the, the the veil into into a territory of of magic, which is this machine language. And then then that was it. I was hooked. Um, and then me and my buddy Mike uh, made a game, Pyramid Run, like in the '80s sometime, and uh, sold it. Uh, made money, and I was like, hey, there's a there's a career here. Um, then uh, I got a job making educational games, which I loved. I love making educational games and games for kids. Um, so I did that for a long time. And then I, and that was in New York. And then a company, um, you know, opened up a, a development studio out here in California. And I raised my hand to volunteer to move to California with everybody else. And that was great. Came out here. And as soon as I came out here in California, um, I got a call from uh, a headhunter uh, looking for a project manager at uh, Sega of America. And I'm like, yes, please give me this job. <laughs> so I, I went in, um, interviewed there. Uh, I brought my Mac to show them some stuff I've been working on, uh, even even a, a, a game about a dolphin. Wow. And uh, pitched the whole thing, pitched myself, and I got the job. So then I started making, uh, I started producing um, Sega Genesis titles. And uh, I should stop talking now and let you ask another question. Well, no, Ed, I love hearing this. And um, I mean, we, we could talk all about your earlier career. I know that Sega get, you know, you're known for a lot of things. Um, what was your first game at Sega? Though? Was it, was it Shikan? Is that right? Or was it? Other no, 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 no. The ver very first one was uh, Abrams Battle Tank. Right. Which, yeah, yeah. and it was, <laughs> it, you know, it was a, a half a megabyte cartridge, and it was the first 3D game I ever worked on, wow. and it was, you know, it was a 3D tank game uh, with, uh, you know, a, a blazingly fast seven frames per second, uh, like four color 3D display technology, but it was great. Um and that, yeah, that was that was the very first. That's actually the very first Sega of America title uh, published for for Genesis or Mega Drive. Wow! Yeah, and then after that, uh, six eighty eight Attack Sub, which which I loved, and I, at first I didn't. I was like a, a submarine simulator. <laughs> it's like, uh, but then you know I got into it and I I learned about it and it was fascinating and I enjoyed it. Um. And then after that, Spider-Man versus the Kingpin, and all along the way, I'm pushing my Dolphin game, and I, I can't get any love. N no one wants the Dolphin game. Um, so 
you know, I, I just kept at it. Uh, and eventually I got it. Well, Obviously. you thought you thought of Echo, or well, you thought of a Dolphin game before you joined Sega. Is that what you said, Ed? And did you? Was it yeah. Always, well, so uh, before, how, yeah, yeah, before I uh, went to Sega, I was working for a company called Sunburst Communications, and we were making this multimedia package called Voyage of the Mimi, which is about uh, a little boy who spends the summer on his grandfather's boat, and they track and observe uh, sperm whales for the whole summer. So it was all about you know little Ben Affleck, his first. Um, page <laughs> gig. He was like twelve, nice. um, uh, and you know, learning about whales. So I was involved with the software for that, and I, I learned all about sea mammals. Um, and then I read this book. Again, uh, I forgot the seals. I think is the name of the author, but the name of the book is The Sounding, and it's a novel from the point of view of a sperm whale. And I just. I obsessed over that book and that story. And of course, you know, I'm starting my life as the guy who keeps asking, is that a game? Could that be a game? Could that be a game? Yeah. So uh, I'm looking at whales and, you know, echolocation and the whole thing about how they evolved. And oh, there's so many incredibly fascinating things about whales, not to mention, you know, they're like super intelligent. So I'm like, how could I make a game? out of this subject matter. And uh, so the dolphin, especially the sine wave going in and out of the water, you know, buoyancy to gravity, back to buoyancy, that whole thing uh, really felt good very early on. And I knew, I knew it would be a fun game. Like I wasn't sure anybody would buy it, um, but I was, I was, I was certain it would feel good. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. Did you approach the people at Sega quite often? Say, like, oh, I'll work on this game, but I've got this great idea. Was it you almost earning your sort of um, bread first, showing you what you can do to get that opportunity? Yeah, maybe. I think I think it was more like um, like I kept trying, but I was very sheepish about it. <laughs> I, I wasn't too too assertive. Like, oh, okay. I, I would like try, and then I wouldn't get any love, and then I'd back off a little. And um, you know, it was it's sort of like I wanted to ask the question: Will you let me make this game? And if the answer was no, I really couldn't ask the question again. Because yeah, so I never really put it to the point where you know I would get the no. I, I wanted to avoid the no, but so I'd push it. To various people just trying to get any kind of love um and i think the problem you know i know the problem was it was just you know no one no one really thought about a game without an inventory without a gun you know without feet to run around um so it was just too weird on too many fronts yeah. but then um we had this awesome meeting in las vegas when we were there for ces and Tom Kalinske, who was president of Sega of America at the time, gave the speech about how, you know, we got to do something different. Uh, we have to make games that have never been seen before, like big, you know, bold, uh, you know, goals that he was he was setting for us all. And as he's saying this, I'm like looking around at people saying, like, what about my dolphin game? Yeah, it, it kind of fits <laughs> what Tom is asking for almost exactly. <laughs> And I think that's really when, that's when I got the yes. 
like right after that speech, like at that dinner. I, that's when I, ha- I, I think I convinced Al Nielsen and Hugh Bowen and a few other marketing people. Uh, they're like, yeah. hey, yeah, maybe this dolphin thing. Yeah, yeah. And then I, 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 I saw it show up on, on, you know, documents and like dolphin. Hey, dolphin, that must be my dolphin. Nice. And uh, yeah, then finally was able to build it. It was great. I want to talk more about Echo in a minute, but is that so? Shakan, was that before or after Echo? Is that did you make that before? After, after, almost, almost at the same time. Yeah, I was was, say, yeah, time. yeah, um, yeah. Shakan, uh, it that's a yeah, that's a great one because I went to I was actually working on another title called uh, well, it, it ended up being called Warriors of the Eternal Sun. It was a Dungeons and Dragons game. Oh, for, for the Genesis, and I was, in, you know, as a kid, I was into Dungeons and Dragons, and I was really psyched to work on that that title, and very enthusiastic. So the first thing I did was uh, go to this convention, Gen Con, and where is it? Is it Milwaukee? Yeah. I can't even remember where it is. <laughs> um, but so so I go there, and there's like you know tens of thousands of D and D people. Who, of course, are the coolest people in the world. So I'm like, I'm in heaven, yeah. and I'm like sitting in on these like big D and D games, and you know these these kids are playing the modules that my video game is going to be based on. So I'm learning all this mythology oh, and wow. sort of the pace of the game, and I'm just just loving life, um, thinking how this whole game could come together, um, and being part of this community. And it was great too because I would be like, hey. I'm I'm making a Dungeons and Dragons video game. Can I sit in on your campaign? And you know, so much lo- I got so much love, and it was great. Um, so the section of the show of the con where you buy stuff, you know, the big room with with all the tables and all the the books and the paintings and the artists and the autographs and all that stuff was there, and I was just walking around like buying random role-playing game books that look cool <laughs> that I would never read but keep for a decade. Um, and uh, I, I saw from the distance this poster, and it was it was Shikan. It was that it was the image that's on the comic, the original comic book. Um, and I, I, it's like, okay, a cowboy, like a dead Clint Eastwood, that's what I saw, and I was like, "That is cool." So I, like a, like a, a moth to the flame, I, I walked up to, <laughs> to Robert Kraus, who was the author, who's the author of Shikan, and, uh, and I walked up to him. And I'm like, <laughs> "Hey, dude, this this character looks really cool. Uh, can you tell me about it?" And he, he told me the whole story. And, you know, he was really nice, and he was really. You know, here have this little button with the guy's face on it. You know, here you could buy the book for five bucks. I'm like, all right, I'll buy it. Um, and then I, 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 I'm sorry, I'm making this long, but you no, don't I care, love it. right? Yeah, I love this. All right, it's all right. So then, then I went home. I mean, not home. And then I, I went back to my hotel room and I, I read the issue again and again. <laughs> um, and I was like, this actually could be a cool game. You know, I'm asking the question, could this be a game? You know what? The answer is yes. You know why? Because Shikan's goal is to die. And I love that. It's like in a video game world, 
it's all about extra lives. You, like when you die, you, get, you use another life, and then you could get another life, and then you could find a power up and get another life. Life is like currency; just collect it, and yeah. consume it, and get and get more. And it like there's this, you know, life is trivialized in a game like that. It's like life. Here's another life. It's nothing. It's a quarter, twenty five <laughs> cents for a life, and it just seemed. But Chakan, on the other hand doesn't want to live he wants to die he's immortal and his goal is to die and i love the idea of you know playing a game where the goal is to die and uh of course he doesn't <laughs> and he can't yes yeah. which is you know oh poor Chicago. which by the way uh robert kraus who's like the nicest person in the world um he pronounces shakan shaken shaken really Shaken. And I'm like, dude, it's there's no way you can't. It's not shaken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's his character. So, sorry, it's Shikan. It's it's an amazing game, and it's a uh, it's a hard game, isn't it? It's, it's a tough game. That one. Um, I, I love the front cover as well. Iconic artwork. I mean, did you work on the sequel, uh, Ed? I have to ask because there's rumours there was uh, a sequel being made. Or is that, oh is yeah, I, I've always tried. I, I have. I have a version of the game right now that I, mm. I want to kickstart and, and get wow, a modern seriously? version of the game. Yeah, so I'll yeah. never give up on it. it eventually, uh, it, you know, the, 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 st the stars and the money will align so that I could, I could build another oh, Shikan game. Because I, I, I love the character, and I, I want to kill him. It just, just has to be done. So, Wow, that would be amazing. I think loads of people right now listening going please do that <laughs> yeah i know that i know the game was like super hard and it was unfairly hard too it wasn't just you know designed to be hard it just was uh sloppily implemented in a lot of places um but you know sometimes uh the, the thing I like about that is the suffering that the player goes through is <laughs> kind of mirrored by the character. Yeah. And, um, you know, suffering is, is, is an important part of gameplay. And especially in a Shikan the Forever Man context, you need a little suffering. So I, I, I let it I let it be that hard. And I, I think, like, it might not be a good business decision, but a, a new Shikan will, will be intentionally the hardest game ever made. Oh, wow. And yeah. I'll, ma I'll make it that way. And if you beat that game, you know, you're on the top of Mount Everest naked. That's how challenging. <laughs> that's how challenging the game would be. Um, and then you get on the leaderboard for beating that game. Um, you'd be there for a decade. No one will get ahead of you. Well, I That's think my... games have got easier since the 16-bit days, personally, over time. Um, and actually, if you can make that new chicane and make it really difficult, it would actually stand out, wouldn't it? Just for that stake, at least, you know? That's what I'm thinking, yeah. 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 Um, again, this, this I'd love to get it, if this is true or not. Um, Echo the Dolphin, was was he originally going to be called Delphinus? Is that right, Ed? Or is that... Yeah, Delphinus, the, the, the constellation. Right, yes. Um, which, okay. is, which is, uh, you know, part of the part of the dolphins mythology but honestly i wanted the game to be called dolphin just, just dolphin, dolphin. Okay. yeah yeah I, I didn't like the, the the idea that he had a name 
um, because they're they're not humans, and they they don't they don't say hi. I'm Echo to each other. They 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 emit um, virtual realities. They shoot virtual realities at each other's brains. So when a dolphin introduces itself to another, I'm sure it's not a name that they're saying. They're they're like showing uh, a three dimensional image with with to communicate that way. So it's very unlikely, you know, there's a one or two syllable name for each of them. It's probably a different thing. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to call, I didn't want any human, any human elements in the game or game story at all. But uh, Al Nielsen, who was the boss, said the, the dolphin needs a name. <laughs> and uh, so then Echo eventually came out did you, did you think of that echo name or was that just no um i was working for this awesome guy. His name is clyde grossman um you know he's like my obi-wan and uh he came up with it he he didn't like the game idea at all oh really but yeah and he was like you know who wants to be a fish that's like <laughs> his thinking was if you're playing a video game you want to yeah. be the little character. So you want to be the plumber. Or you want to be the blue hedgehog, I guess. Um, so we're like, who wants to be a fish? That's what he said. <laughs> he literally said that. Um, yeah. But but as soon as it, you know, as soon as momentum got, you know, as soon as it was going to be a product, he got behind it and he came up with the name, E-C-H-O, Echo. And I'm like, brilliant. Um, but I, I changed it to E-C-C-O and um, that's it. Al was like, okay. Done. I mean, it was a huge hit. It was a huge success. I, I don't know it. I'd yeah, love to know it if it was. It was, a, was it a surprise hit at it the was. time? It was a bigger hit than people realized. It was yeah. packed in with a whole bunch of different Genesis uh, games, like the CDX. I don't know if you remember that. Yes, it yes. was packed in with that uh, and a few other um, retail must, packages. It must have been great to see it. Uh, you know, let's be honest, a slight gamble, possibly, you know, a, a different sort of game. Actually, probably, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but probably do better than expected. Is that fair? And w was it amazing to see all the lovely accolades come in? It, uh, well, the, the best the best part of it, I think, was like, oh, uh, you know, Michael Jackson likes this yeah. game. That's amazing. And it's like, oh, cool. And then it was like, Michael Jackson wants to wants to meet you. This is <laughs> hanging out with uh, Tom Kalinske. And I got to play with him. I showed him Echo 2, uh, Tides of Time. Yep, yep. And uh, sitting on a p piano bench with him, as I'm playing, uh, he was singing the, like, sort of music to it. Um, wow. Which was, which was pretty cool. It was, yeah, it was, that was, that was weird. And then, um, somebody else. Oh, and then I got to know Stuart Copeland, who, um, was, is the drummer of the police. Of course, he, yes, he, yes. he, he not only loved Echo, but he beat both games. And then I wow. realized, you know, drummers are good at video games. That's, you know, yeah. gotta give them that. Um, yeah. So like having like people that are like, that are famous, like the game or notice the game um, was was mind blowing for me. I've got to ask but, you more about Michael Jackson. Sorry, Ed. I mean, yeah. I've heard it before because I know that um, Michael Jackson's met Michael Lathan as well, and he was looking over. I think I don't know. It's the same day. But what exactly happened? Did he just 
come over to you and chat about Echo, or what happened exactly? Well, I, I think he was um, he was coming because he's good friends with Al Nielsen and Tom Kalinsky. Yeah, you know they were they were friends. Um, so he was like, "Hey, I'm gonna uh, I'm making all this up," but at, somehow he was coming to Sega and he was gonna walk around and everybody was gonna show him their you know their thing or whatever. But yeah, he wanted to see. He specifically wanted to see Echo. And um, and then he just like like somebody said, you know, Michael Jackson is going to come over and show him Echo. Okay, I'm like, uh, uh, I'm kind of busy. Can he come back another time? But no, he's got to come now. All right, all right. So I, so so he just he just walked in. He actually came in, and he was on crutches. Oh, and he, had, he had a funny hat, and you know, he just looked at me. I'm like, hi. And then here, you know, here's the game. And we sat down, and uh, you know, it was, it's a it's a beautiful game, especially at the time. Ties of time was yeah. really looked beautiful, and so we respond. And I had this the perfect level, the one with the nice Maxwell Parish uh, uh, sunset on and with the green hills and the gorgeous blue water and all the all the sea life. It was yeah, it was great. So he responded. Ver- he's you know to have Michael Jackson sort of hum. Uh, a soundtrack while playing your own game. That was a, it was a, it was a cool and haunting experience. Um, but yeah, that's all, that's all I remember. That's amazing. I mean, I wish you, I bet you wish you could have filmed that, that at least Michael Jackson singing <laughs> in the background. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, I wish I, I should have hit record on my iPhone. Oh, wait a minute. I don't even think cell phones existed <laughs> yeah. back then. Oh so. man. Um, I love the time travel elements. I'm a, I'm a, Big fan of time travel films and books. Yeah, me too. Hands up. Yeah. Oh, I, I love them. I could talk about Back to the Future and there's a great book called, called Replay. I love. Um, um, what? Why? I don't sound rude, but how did time travel come into the idea of Echo? You know that that's amazing. You know, it's not bizarre, but it's a crazy concept. But it, you know, what what went through your mind to get that into it? Uh, uh, well, first, like you, I I always love like sort of oh, yeah. The, the narrative potential of time travel stories. And um, so, I, and I was just such a science fiction person. Uh, I had no choice, but, but to figure <laughs> out a way to get time travel into the game. But there's, there is this cool thing I think about echo and it, it like you look at it and the, like a lot of people would say, you know, video games are violent and, you know, not good for kids. They should be regulated, but, you know, but oh, but then there's this game like Echo where there's no violence in it. It's like what? It's it's basically, you know, a survival horror game. Uh, like everything wants to kill you and eat you, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's 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 scary. Nature is scary, and I I loved the assumption of the soft. It's soft and blue and cute, but as the story continues, it gets crazier and crazier like you know aliens time travel atlanteans (laughs) like crazy technologies crazy story end of the world saved by a dolphin not a single human ever knew anything about it um i i love the idea of the assumption of a simple cute little game but it unfolds into something that you didn't expect at all and uh, that's that's what kind of hooked me. Like, how how far can I take it? 
And then as soon as the time travel stuff starts happening, then that unlocks like a lot of possibilities. Are you a Back to the Future fan then, Ed? I have to ask you. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. I love no, it. I lo- huge. Oh, but man. my favorite time travel movie of all time is uh, Shane Carruth's uh, Primer. Which I, I, I think it is the best time travel movie ever made, um, even including uh, Christopher Nolan's time travel movies. Um, it, was, it, it, was, it was a great low-budget film. Um, the, the director, writer starred in it and did all the work, the sound effects, the editing, everything. Um, the whole, the budget of the, of the film was $7,000 total. That's crazy. uh, And it's just, I think it's great. Primer. Check it out. I'm going to check that out. Um, Shane Carruth. Ed, I love it. Okay. That's, I'm, I'm going to watch that. I'm going to watch that. Um, the Tides of Time, the sequel, was it always, was that your next game? I, I, Echo did well the first game. Was it always, wow, we need to get a sequel out there quickly? Or was it always in the back of your mind that you wanted to take this further? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I had, I had it nailed in my mind, at least, um, before the first game was done. So I knew, no. uh, I knew where we were going. Uh, <laughs> and I knew I had to try to make it a little easier the second time around but i think i failed at that as well but yeah you know it was it was a momentum that that existed uh before we finished the first game what was your main differences you wanted to bring into the sequel was any big things you really wanted to uh, implement or is it just you know evolve it slightly kind of thing uh you know the the whole um dual future going back and forth um, you know, sort of the, a vortex future or the non-vortex future, uh, and, and then um, probably my favorite element. I don't even know what you just asked me, but I'm just going to ramble no, on go about. For it. Go for it. Ties inside. Uh, Tralia, the um, future, the futuristic dolphin that comes back in time to bring Echo to the future, because uh, the rule, the, the the time machine rule is you could only go back in time. You cannot go forward. If you want to go forward in time, simply stay there because we're all traveling forward in time. Um, but yeah. if you want to go back, uh, you got to find the time machine and go back in time. So the only way Echo could get to the future is if some entity comes back in time and grab them and then when she returns, she takes them along. And that's, and I, so I liked Trelia. I liked her and her relationship with the asteroid, which is that giant DNA molecule. Uh, that thing has a whole backstory and so does she. And, uh, so I was excited to like, you know, it wasn't really a debut of a character, but to me it was like, she, she just shows up. She does her thing. She's gone. Uh, her, the conversation with, with Trelia's brief. Um, but in my mind, you know, there's this whole thing about her and how she relates to echo and the whole world. And, uh, so it was, that was, that was my favorite part of tides of time to, to get her in there. It was great. Weird question, but have you ever swum with dolphins? Then, Ed? I, no, 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 that, no, that freaked me out. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I know Al Nielsen did it once. I remember. Oh, really? Yeah. But no, I don't know. Oh, fair um, enough. Ever, ever since 
Jaws, the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I can't. I, I jump in a swimming pool. And I, I get. I'm afraid. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I, this is, there's some rumors going around, and I love to, just to get this um, from from your your own perspective. Even um, was there an official third Echo game being made? Yeah, the Mega Drive, and was it replaced by Echo Junior? I, I would love to know. What was this big decision, and were you happy about this? And what, what was going through during that time? Uh, well, you know, I, it needed the third game. Um, and uh, no, Echo Junior was is was tangential because uh, you know at the time my daughter was like four or five or something. Oh, yeah. and she was young, and it was like, here, here, look at the dolphin. It's like she can't play. I had to make a game with a dolphin that my daughter could play. And sure. that's an Echo Junior. And then because because honestly, like because Echo just did so well, like at that point I, I could do any I could make any game I wanted. Uh there was like a few years where, you know, and that's what like Colibri, the hummingbird, yeah. and like uh, just just I could just do whatever I want. Okay, so I'm just gonna be as weird and, and I'm gonna do risky stuff. Um and uh, so I was like, oh, I'm going to make a game for my daughter. And they were like, okay. And I just did. Put it out there. and She got to play it. Uh, probably a few other kids. But, uh, uh, oh, so then, and then I never got to the third game because I was at Sega for like eight years. And honestly, like when in the game business, like as you, as you grow, um, the, the more you grow in the game business, the further you get away from game development. That's just the, the path, you know, yeah. it's like producer, designer, um, then executive, senior producer, and then executive producer, which, you know, you don't do anything. You just get your name on it or something. I don't know. And then after that, you're director of product development or something like that. And then you're not working on games anymore. So I, I had to leave Sega to continue like to grow yeah and but so so i left before the third game plus the genesis was was gone 32x was i don't know i wasn't a huge fan and then uh saturn was oh god Uh, so it was there was no place for the third game uh but but the story and the uh, you know and eventually i think i think it'll come i think well i think i'll i'll get it and i think i'm on to it right now where yeah it, it could be good, but I got to work things out with Sega and, you know, I'm patient. I, I'll, I'll sit here for another 10 years and then get the game. If that's, the, if that's what it takes, that's what's going to happen. Well, I was going to ask it, sorry to interrupt. Do you own the rights for the Echo series or not? Or is, is, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, so I don't really like to talk about that, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Echo will always be mine, and mm-hmm. even if you look at the like the Sega Genesis Mini uh, thing that they're selling now, which is awesome, I bought ten of them. Um, yep. uh, on the back of the box, I mean, the first game you see on the back of the box is Echo, and if you read the text on the bottom, it says Echo the Dolphin, originally created by Ed Nunziata. It's like yeah, yeah. on the box. So, Echo the Dolphin was originally created by Ed Nunziata. That's that's how I'd like to leave it. 
Yep. No, that's more than fine. And I, I think a lot of people would, would love to see another Echo game, personally. I think there's definitely scope for it, I personally believe. Did you, did you work on the Jurassic Park game, Ed, for the Mega yes, CD? Yes, the original. Yeah, the original one, yeah. We, on the, yeah, because I was speaking to um, Eric uh, Quakenbush recently. He was involved in that as well. And what's your views on that particular game? Because it's got good good reviews. And I've never played it myself. But I really want to, actually. Uh, yeah, it's a, a very... It, it's very well done, very well crafted game, um, and uh, you know I I, uh, I discovered Jurassic Park as uh, you know as a, a Crichton novel. You know, when it was a novel, it wasn't yeah. a movie. There were no, nobody was even talking about movies then, and they they floated it around. It, you know, there was a, a, a lady that handled all the licensing, and then like once a month. All the, the game producers and uh, game people and marketing people get together in this conference room, and uh, Diane would show these properties of you know Beavis and Butthead. And it was like first time I've seen Beavis and Butthead was in the um, the conference room at yeah. Sega, and I'm like, what the hell is this? How could how could you make a game out of that? <laughs> um, yeah, but but it was funny. And then uh, you know she's like, oh, then then there was a, a pile of books of. E- any of these stories um, could be a game. You know, anybody wants to volunteer to review them. So we were like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, comic books. Should that be a game? Oh, I don't know. This is weird. And then, you know, uh, then Jurassic Park was one of them. So I volunteered to read it because I was a Michael Crichton fan to begin with. Uh, and I just love the book so much. And so I pitched the idea of, you know, a jurassic park simulation like you what you want to do is like cultivate the dinosaurs you want to do what the what the guy wanted to do in the book which was make jurassic park um and uh so we started working on that and 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 it was an internal development um it was for the cd sega cd and uh that was that did not work out well uh that title never happened but it spun off uh, the Genesis, uh, the Genesis version of the game, and so that so my involvement was like I worked on the canceled version of that game, and oh, then wow, okay, and then the, uh, then the the Genesis game spun out of that. Um, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, I believe. Is it is it Calibri? Cal- I. Uh, it's kind of a made up well so yeah colibri that's what how colibri. i say it, but, yeah. I, I i'm a fan i've got a 32x at home ed and it's one of my favorite games on the system it might even be my favorite i'm not trying to give you a big head but i love it i think it's a great game oh um, yeah me too it, it's it's plays so well and it's beautiful to look at and um i love those kind of size size of shooters but obviously yeah, this is this is different this it had a different sort of vibe to it now i i, I don't want to I have to say, I went on your Twitter account a few a few weeks ago, and you were doing a bit of a uh, Calibri Colibri um, Q and A, and there was a, yeah. some brilliant stories. I, I love it if you can tell our listeners how you first came up with the idea for this game because I think it's quite an interesting story and just a little bit more sort of ideas of how you developed this. Is that right? All right. All right. So, so the notion was um, Genesis did very well, and if you can imagine its growth as like a like a on a on a graph it, it it's like a, a mountain so it's building growing 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 and the 
peaks the top of the mountain. And now that the, the platform is old and newer ones are coming, um, the, the sort of installed base of the Genesis starts to fall. So that, that growth curve looks like a hill. Um, and the, but in the future, there's going to be another hill. It's called Saturn. Yeah, like Saturn, yeah. Right now, there's zero Saturns out in the market. But a year after the game, you know Saturn launches, there'll be like a million of them, and then there'll be two million of them, and then you'll have an installed base. So if you could imagine the graph as two mountains um, with a, a valley in between, which you know hits zero. So at some point, there's not going to be any Genesis growth, or nobody will be playing it. And of course, Saturn doesn't exist yet, so there'll be a, a like a void, nothing. Yeah. Somebody came up with the idea. Of uh, and I think they call at the time they called it the sleeve, which was <laughs> immediately I hated it. Like he, like the, they didn't get through the first sentence, and I hated it because I, I, I hated the idea of bridging the gap between uh, like look if we're gonna do Saturn let's go all in with Saturn yeah, let's not do this, but they wanted to do it and that you know my my. You know, the guy in charge of product development at the time, Joe Miller, the best guy in the world. He's he's passed away, unfortunately, but he was the best guy in the world, the best guy to work for. He convinced me, he said, look, this is it's 256 colors. You get a whole extra play field. Like he's he's telling me what I could use in the game. Like, this is why you want to do it. Don't worry yeah. about the the two mountains and the bridging the gap between all that's bullshit. It's 256 colors, not just 16. I'm like, all right, um, I'll think about it, but I don't want to do Echo on it because I, I it, it's a yeah. temporary, it's a temporary platform. It's not the future. It's like a band aid to to reduce pain of the company, and I just didn't want Echo kind of st stuck to that. So I I struggled for a minute. Um, just like, what what can I do? <laughs> and and since I, and I knew. That, um, that I was in this position where I could have said anything and they, I, they probably wouldn't even have paid attention to what I wanted to build. They probably said, here, here's a budget, just build it. And if it's good, we'll publish it. And if it isn't, we'll cancel it. And that was, that was so I could have done anything. So right. I'm thinking, what can I do? What can I do? And there, we were working on, you know, we we're working in this building in um, Redwood City. No, Redwood Shores. And um, I was a smoker. I'm not proud of that, but I was a, I was a hardcore smoker. And I'm outside, probably for the 10th time that day, smoking a cigarette. Um, and a hummingbird, like, as I inhaled, uh, you see, I don't know if you know about cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you inhale it, yeah. and then you exhale it. And <clears throat> that's part of the whole experience. So I'm like, inhale, and then hummingbird. <laughs> right in front of right in front of me, maybe two two feet from my face, and I exhale and a cloud of smoke I like right in the face of this like greenish hummingbird. And it took off. And I yeah. and I like forgot about it. But twenty four hours later I'm in the same place smoking the same <laughs> brand of cigarettes. And wow. the the little hummingbird like vroom, appeared in front of me and it was going chirp, 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 chirp. Like high pitched little chirping, and I, I I'm looking at it, and it, right in front of my face, and I could see that it's totally pissed off. 
Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it, I felt like it, it, like it wanted to kill me because it remembered I blew smoke in its face. And um, so I was like, wow, that little tiny frigging thing. I mean, it was like a, a, a bumblebee, I, you know, so small. So then I had to research the, the animal. And I started to, you know, and I told you that little thing I do. That could this be a game? Could this be yeah, a game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like a hummingbird, could that be a game? And the, as soon as it occurred, to, as soon as I learned about how badass these little guys are, like how and how they fly, like the way they fly, the physics is different than any other bird. Um, so they they they're. They, they hover, they, don't they? They can hover. Like. Yeah, they, they, their, their, their wings move in figure eights, and they, they cause vort, vortices around them, and that's what lifts them. So they fly like a dragonfly, not like a bird. Nice. Which is how cool is that? And plus, really cool. You know the, the the way they do battle with each other, like in in a you know in the wink of an eye, like they're they're moving at a different rate in time. Like they, their their hearts are beating two hundred and twenty times per minute. I mean, that's 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 that that that's pretty fast. So they're 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 very impressive little creatures. Um, so I asked the question, "Can I make a game out of it?" And I was like, "Yeah," and that that was it. And then I got to make that, and it was very enjoyable. But right now yeah. we have a beautiful three D uh, uh, colibri. Um, and almost, I mean, looks real, like a real animal. Um, so the next colibri is gonna is gonna really double down on time dilation. You know, sort of the matrix bullet time and uh, depth of field because of scale. You know, we're looking at things that are very yeah. tiny um, and lots of zooming uh, in and out. Uh, I think I think the the, this, the next game is going to be awesome. I'm really excited about it. You're, you're making it now, Ed. Is that right? The, the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to yeah, be great. It's going to be great. That's great. And uh, you know, Max Payne bullet time. That that would be brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love I, so I love too. hummingbirds. I think they're incredible animals. Um, do you, is it true that Colorbright and Echo, the two universes, coexist? Is there some truth in that, or is that? There's a couple. There's threads in, in a deep backstory. There are th threads that connect nice. them, but it's just, just in my head. And uh, you know, who, who knows if that that ever really emerges? Yeah. Or um, it's not that important. I think one thing that's that's the two games have in common is um you, you don't have to be a human to be a hero like you could save the world yeah. being only an inch long and weighing only two ounces um so yeah the non-human vibe i think i love it have you ever thought about any other animals that you'd love to see in a video game horses i love right. i love horses. i grew up with horses and right. um eventually um i'll make virtual horses that's that's my next animal game that i guess cool. yeah that is cool so you weren't really a fan of the 32x then but you 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 went on went away with you know you still went on with it and you produced a good game yeah yeah uh, you know i you know we tried to do a, a like a 3d i wish i still had this like like 3d colibri flying into the z you know, behind the hummingbird. Yeah. And 
actually got that working, but you know the frame rate was so slow. It just just didn't. It just wasn't good enough, and so I cut it. Um, ah, but it was like you know, to, it, it did have like there was more power and more to work with there. Um, so I did. I, I was sold, kind of. I guess. I just made the best of it. I was like, okay, I'll like this thing now. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. I forced myself to see what was good about it. Now I'm really, man, how happy am I? It's my only 32X title and kind of wish I did more than one. And I, I wish I put more, um, more budget, more time into Colibri. But uh, actually then I would have missed that, that opportunity, that short opportunity when, you know, people are actually buying 32X games. It's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Because I don't suppose that many people have played that particular game of yours because it is quite... It didn't sell very well, did it, the 32X? And it's quite a nah, rare you game. Know what? Honestly, I have no idea how it, how it sold. I wasn't really yeah. even privy to sales then. And I didn't even care. There it is. Um, quickly on, on the Saturn, because you worked on some pretty iconic games there as well. Three Dirty Dwarfs, Mr. Bones. I mean, Three Dirty Dwarfs are really original again another really original respected title what 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 was your idea for that game and is it is it true you voiced one of the dwarfs etc yeah i'm i'm greg <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah that that whole yeah that game was um i don't know it was, it was good <laughs> <laughs> i enjoyed it i that is like if you could quantify laughter yeah Three Dirty Dwarves, me and everybody who worked on that title laughed so much uh, making that game. Because, like, even, even the orcs, I don't know if you know the game, but there's, like, there's these three dwarves, like, from a D&D &D universe. Yeah. They teleport to, you know, the Bronx, New York. Um, but on their, as they teleport to the Bronx, New York, uh, to save the kids that are playing the role-playing game that made them... Um, the, the orcs, the bad guys, are coming through the the gate as well. So there, so there's orcs in the Bronx, and um, you know I'm from the Bronx, and I got this whole New York yeah uh, thing, um, and I just everything from my childhood and uh, the my crazy life I just stuffed into this game, um, and then we just it was so fun. That oh so the reason why I brought up the orcs is that the, the, everybody who worked on the game, all the developers, the testers, the the, the artists, uh, the musicians, everybody played a voice in the cartoons. Oh, brilliant! Um, and it just just was it was so great. It was so great. That's brilliant. And Mr. Bones as well, another cult classic. Um, well, that was a, another. You have been involved in some very original games, actually. I like Ed. You've, you you always seem to try new things. Um, really quickly on Mr. Bones. Um, how do you ref reflect on this particular game? And, and it has it was quite a divisive title. Some people either loved it or even hated it. What, what are your particular views on Mr. Bones? Uh, well, you know, so I loved I loved Mr. Bones the character. Yeah. Um, and and then as as the story evolved in my head, um, you know, I, I really, really fell. I really fell for the character, um, and also the notion of you know the crazy gameplay. Like every level will, would be 
you know, you don't know what to expect. Um, and, and, and try to, you know, mechanically do something innovative, fun, weird, uh, unusual. Um, and then with the character, um, I don't, uh, it was a bit of a struggle. The game overall is, it was a struggle because the Saturn as a platform, in my opinion, was just not good. It was just not. Could I ask you good. why, though? Because um, some people love the Saturn, but others, you know, yeah, I'd love to know what well, you're... I, I love it, too. Like, I, I, it doesn't even need to be plugged in or cooked up to a monitor, and I still love it. Like, I mm, love it yeah. as an object and as a piece of my own history, but as a, as a uh, piece, of, uh, as a console, it sucked. It, and and uh, I'm sorry, because... In a way, um, it was powerful enough that you'd be tempted into 3D, yeah. but it wasn't powerful enough to really be 3D. So it was sure. like this, this again, this like little valley between two hills. It's like it, uh-huh. you know, it had two Hitachi, Hitachi uh, CPUs, two of them. <laughs> the, originally, that's those CPUs were used in rice cookers. Right. And they so it's, oh it's not it's not that powerful okay let's let's put two of them in there and it's right. okay great now we got two CPUs like how do you program for that it's like okay here's all these you know open source you know GNU C compiler and like a, a, a debugger that never worked never worked not once mm-hmm. um, but you know here here it is and it's just the tools were crap and the 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 the, the the display was crap and you know like a fatal mistake i think with mr bones was not to make him pre-rendered right as opposed to, like to do them in real time with polygons and they alias like crazy <laughs> uh so it's like mr bones I, he should just be called static man <laughs> because he's like made out of staticky pixels, yeah. And even even now, like I, you know, play that guitar duel, which which is one of my favorite levels in the game. I really like it because you could like feel like you're really playing guitar, and you could originate music with that mechanism. Unlike yeah. you know, Guitar Hero, where all you could do is allow the music to happen. But anyway, um, I look at Mr. Bones standing there on the hill, and I'm like, God, it looks like crap. Oh, and I, I just, it's just, it's heartbreaking. <laughs> So yeah, I hated I hated the Saturn, and it just I feel like, in a lot of ways, Mr. Bones, um, you know, was was my defeat uh, with, with that with that platform. Like Three Dirty Dwarves was the way to go. It's two D, but lots of parallax, like like sort of pseudo three D, um, you know, but but with two D sprites, lots of scaling, and a very simple three um, D objects that worked. But Mr. Bones, you know, having, I don't know what, 30 or 48 different bones and I don't know how many polygons, just wasn't a real-time character. It was a little bit before its time. Did you but, ever get... Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask about the Dreamcast. Mr. Bones sounds like it could have worked better on that particular console, do you think? Or... Yeah, yeah, it would have been, yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, you know, I think, you know, Mr. Bones is fun and you know, there's, there's, I think there's some great levels uh, in, in that game, and yeah, I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Uh, all the side scroll, uh, platformy kind of levels, I would have, I would have cut. If I could go back in time, I'd cut them all out of the game and just make it a, you know, a pile of, oh, of the the mini games. 
um, that Mr. Bones is. Do you, um, did you ever get a chance to work on the Dreamcast or did you leave Sega by then? I had, I had made a deal with Bernie Stoller for Shakan the Forever Man on the Dreamcast. Oh, wow. And I, I got, you know, we were down to the contract, but then I don't know what happened. Dreamcast died. Bernie left. And then yeah. it just, just, just never happened. So I, I, I missed the Dreamcast. I was there. I had it. Yeah. It was gonna it was gonna be a good game. But um, oh. yeah, just just missed it. <laughs> um Michael Latham was uh, head of the Amiga team, Omega team, I believe, at Sega. You yeah. were head of the Alpha team. Um, Michael spoke in the past how you had a kind of good sort of friendly rivalry with each other and you kind of he- not helped, you know, kind of what what's this team doing? What's this team doing? How do you review on those two particular teams uh, and your sort of your sort of role in that position? Uh, well, uh, so we weren't the alpha team. We were the amoeba. Amoeba, amoeba, sorry. Yeah, yeah. My apologies, sorry. It, no, it was it, the people, I think oh, maybe yeah, it yeah. was Mike who referred to us as alpha because it's the opposite of omega, which totally makes sense. But, uh, you know, I, I couldn't just be a Greek symbol. It had to be something <laughs> weird. So an animated amoeba popped into my mind. And then nice. so, so we, we decided the group would be called the amoeba team. And I think Colibri is probably the only game that, featured that you know that intro at the beginning okay. yeah, yeah, yeah um so yeah there was like it, it was funny it was like the like mike's team was on the other side of the building like there were so many things that separated us mm. like for like no reason but it just ended up that way um but think about uh mike and i used to go to go to lunch a lot like we're both really into pizza um <laughs> and so it, it, so the thing the thing that was great about mike is he was like me he was like you he could just talk about games all day yeah um like some other people are like let's talk about our girlfriends and cars maybe politics <laughs> and, uh, but me and mike were just all about games and ideas for play mechanics and so we're we're uh, kindred spirits mm. in that way. But, of course, you know, it's competitive. It's like, you know, who's, mm. who's going to – like, his game's like – his game's like sold. <laughs> My game's like were weird enough for people to talk about. But, like, he, he, he would make games that actually sold. Right, so, yeah. like, like uh, Eternal Champions. I don't know, like, how – if it was, like, a huge hit. But, it, you know, it was, that was a pretty cool game. And I remember uh, – Eternal Champions, like in every Seven Eleven for like a year. Yeah, it was all over the place. Um, yeah, so we we I think we had a good, uh, healthy kind of rivalry thing going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, good stuff. Um, do, I, I I like to ask people who worked at Sega about their opinions of uh, Sega of Japan versus Sega of US Sega of America. Uh, I've heard different stories about sometimes they weren't always working well together but I'd, I'd like to hear your personal opinion ed if that's all right uh yeah, honestly I, I i i wasn't really that exposed right, to okay. the guy you know the the uh soj uh sega of japan guys would come um and then we you know i'd show them i remember showing them uh like spider-man like yeah uh, it's like they tried to so in spider-man like when you jump on the wall 
and you want to stick to the wall, you, you, you hold the stick button, um, but you hold yeah. it. And then when you let go of the stick button, he lets go of the wall. So that, that's like, I don't know, for some reason they, they didn't like that. They wanted the, you, you press the button and he sticks to the wall. You don't have to hold the button anymore. Right. I'm like, so I, like, I know it's a subtle thing and it's not that big of a deal, but I, and, and I could, I could watch kids play it. They would like try to stick on the wall, try to stick on the wall, try to stick on the wall. And they couldn't stay on the wall. And their initial feel that no one got initially, no one got the hold the button to to remain stuck on the wall. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I remember the SLJ guys going, oh, you know, they're talking to each other. I don't understand them. And then somebody explains that they don't think you should stick to the wall. You should hold the button to stick to the wall. So um, I was like, all right, I'll change that. Of course I didn't. And then, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but you know what? And then I was like, they actually were commenting on a very specific part of the play mechanic. And so the respect, like these guys were in suits mm-hmm. and they're talking about Spider-Man sticking to the wall. So I respected the hell out of them in terms of, uh, even though I ignored them, but, uh, but you know, they were, they were, they were like talking about games like me and Mike would. Yeah. And, uh, so, so I, I really, I really liked those guys. Um, when, when they came around, I never got to go to Tokyo uh, and I never got to meet anybody there. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that was my exposure to them. Uh, you know, Tom Kalinske, Joe Miller, Steve Payne, Al Nielsen, uh, the, the guys that ran Sega of America at the time, um, they dealt with Sega of Japan, and it was their world. Like that, that they were the ones that made the 32X and made uh, the Genesis not be called uh, Mega Drive, and they made things like uh, for some reason Sonic was uh, he was a, the head of a band of hedgehogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's like a rock and roll. So Al is like, no, 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 no. This is how Sonic's <laughs> going to be. And he was, you know, dead on. And he, you know, so th- those guys really made the company. Um, and, I, you know, they, they protected us from, you know, from SOJ. When, you know, when, it, when they, they were unhappy with what we were doing. I remember, yeah. uh, you know, Nakayama, <clears throat> who's, <clears throat> pardon me, the, who's the CEO or the founder of Sega. Um, he's he's pretty intense. Um, and I had produced Mario Lemieux ice hockey, and uh, at the same time, EA's um, I can't remember the name of their hockey game, but their their vertical hockey game just kicked the crap out of my horizontal hockey game. (laughs) And Nakayama told somebody who subsequently told me that this hockey game is an embarrassment to the company. It's like, oh, God, man. (laughs) Don't hold back, dude. Wow. Yeah, so it's like, oh, they, they, uh, or he, he could be, he could be brutal. Um, Yeah. But years later, I got to I, I got to polish off a couple of bottles of wine with him, and uh, he's a lovely man. He's got great stories, and uh, um, yeah, I, I forgave him for saying that. Uh, yeah, not fair drinking two hundred dollar <laughs> bottles of wine. Good times. Um, yeah. A couple of final questions on Sega, and then I want to talk briefly about the, the rest of your career because I know there's there's other things to talk. You know, I mean, you, you, 
but I'd love to know. Did you, apart from Michael Jackson, did you meet any uh, any other celebrities while working at Sega? Uh, Stuart Copeland. I got to hang out with Denzel Washington for like almost an entire day, and um, um, uh, John Singleton. Actually, John Singleton. He's the director and writer of Boys in the Hood, and yes, um, a whole bunch of great movies. Unfortunately, he's he passed away a couple years ago. Um, because he didn't take his blood pressure medicine, uh, and, he, and he got a bad stroke, oh, and he died. And he was a young man. He's younger than me. Wow. Sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, yeah. But he's great director. I got to hang out with him because he wanted to make the Echo the Dolphin movie. Uh, and, and he beat wow. both games. So he was a gamer, and he, and he was great. So I got to hang out with him, and then uh, he's friends with Denzel, and I got to hang out with Denzel. And that, that was fun. Um, and some, you know, and then I, I got to watch uh, Natural Born Killers with uh, Oliver Stone and Brilliant. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. They were sitting on either side of me. That's in crazy. This little, little, little theater. <laughs> and then Woody Harrelson starts murdering people. And it was like, oh, it was surreal. Wow. Just to see that movie. Uh, like Rodney Dangerfield is in that. That movie yes. is crazy. It's a so, good film. It's a good film, isn't it? I, yeah, I just think it. Yeah, it's just so crazy. It has to, it has to be respected, and it's definitely enjoyable. You know, if you don't mind the oh. the brutal violence. Yeah, it is a bit. Um, but right when the movie when the movie ended, Oliver Stone came up to me and said, "So wow. what'd you think?" And I'm like, Whoa. "Wow." I think I just stuttered, <laughs> and then like looked at my finger. <laughs> I didn't know what to say, <laughs> but and, and I don't even know why he was asking me. But then, like in retrospect, oh, that the reason why I was there, like somebody at Sega said, "Hey, you should, you know, get these game guys." I was there with a few other game guys. Can't remember yeah. who, um, but uh, it was like, "Is could it be a game?" That's what somebody was asking, and that's why I was there. And I didn't even realize it. Wow! Could uh, you imagine the game? Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Ed, I've got to, you've got to, got to talk to me quickly about this Echo the Dolphin movie. I didn't realize there's one in development. But how far, what sort of story would it be? How would that have Oh, been? yeah, it was, um, John got, uh, there, oh, I'm so sorry, I can't remember the guy's name, but he is the guy who wrote the screenplay for uh, The Land Before Time, which yes. is the, the, the cartoon about little, little dinosaurs. It's on Bluth film, isn't it? Yeah, it's a cartoon. Yeah, was it Bluth? Yeah, so the guy who wrote that, uh, work with John to develop the script for uh, for Echo the Dolphin, and like two or three things happened simultaneously. Like John was into it, and he was spearheading it, and then I got to become friends with him just because he was into Echo, and um, he, he was working on this on his own dime or however he worked out the deal. He got that script done. I did not like it at all because oh. they just turned it into, uh, you know, uh, you know, Ec echoes lack of calm. He has low self-esteem and then he right. goes with his friends and they go on this event. He got, they got rid of the aliens, got rid of the time travel. I'm like, what? <laughs> Little kids don't like time travel. I'm like, yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> so, but so, and then, uh, I don't know what happened. It just sort of fizzled. It just didn't happen. Um, I don't That's know because I was unhappy or whatever, but you know, you, you never know what will happen in the future. Yeah, I think, I think, I think the movie exists like in a decade or maybe less. 
that would be amazing. Um, look, I, maybe this is a little segue of you leaving uh, Sega, Ed, but is it true that Tiny Tank, one of the games you worked on, was originally going to be made at Sega, but it, it, it never? It was one of your games you developed just after leaving? Is that fair? Is that... Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Tiny was always a character um, I had in my mind. Um, I don't know if you, there was a character, Mr. Bill, from Saturday Night Live. He was like a little clay character, and he'd die horribly, you know. Oh, no, Mr. Bill. You know that? No, oh, no I don't. No, I'm afraid of that. Sorry. Yeah, it's probably not, wasn't popular in the UK. <laughs> anyway, so it was a character that had this kind of voice. Talk like this. So I love the idea of the, the killing machine that talked like that. That's That was originally what Tiny's voice was going to be like. And I always had this character uh, in mind. And then, you know, the, the idea that it's it's a character and a vehicle at the same time. Yeah, so yeah, the yeah. play mechanic, I think the play mechanic of Tiny Tank is awesome. Uh, the, the game suffers from a low frame rate. Um, but, uh, you know, a modern version of it, I think, would be stellar. Yeah, so I, I did want to do Tiny for Sega. Uh, I might have even pitched it. I, I can't remember, but I also remember, like, you know, we're not we're not there yet with 3D, mm. and it's just this has to be a 3D title, and uh, so I, I didn't push it that hard. But then, yeah, the, when I left Sega, I, I pitched it to MGM, and nice, yeah. they were like, "Okay, we'll fund this." Um, they gave me the money, we built it, and then they they went out of business or they got out of the game business and sold it to Sony, and then I, I finished it with Sony and put it out, PlayStation 1. I could say it. Good. I, I haven't played it, I'll be, I'll be honest there, but I know it's, it's, it's good reviews. It's well-respected, isn't it? Um, why did you leave Sega, if you don't mind me asking? That's a bit of a slight personal question, but was, were you ready for a new challenge? Or? Yeah, just, you know, I had to... I couldn't, like I told you before, I couldn't, you, you can't, you have to grow, right? Yeah. You have to like, oh, uh, in order to be satisfied with life, you have to learn new things and deploy those, those learnings and do great things and, you know, live your life through growth and, and learning. So yeah, yeah. the path that, you know, as you become an adult in the video game industry back then is like, you, you don't, you work on games less, yeah, and I, that, that, I I couldn't do that. So after like eight years, I was like, I have to start my own company and you know double down on game development as opposed to leave it and be an executive producer or whatever. So I I I was you know I didn't want to, but it, I had to. Yeah, it, you know it's kind of time. I get that, and you've 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 had a very successful career. Uh, as an independent developer, I think is it is it play is it play to me you work at now? Is play right? play to me. It's like play to me. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. That actually makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> before <laughs> before you started that business, did you you worked at Nokia for a bit on the Engage console? Is that true? Ed? I so, did two two years. Yeah, that was fun. One interesting one interesting little machine. Uh, obviously, you know, it wasn't particularly a good seller. But what was your role at Nokia at the time? Because they're almost they were so big at one point people forget how big nokia were weren't they and quite an interesting uh, idea uh yeah okay so i i ran the game studio in san francisco and there was another much bigger one 
they got most of the budget at Vancouver. Right. Um, so we, uh, me and a bunch of ex Sega guys, uh, because Nokia bought the, the, uh, snap, um, is a multiplayer framework for, uh, Java, J2, yeah, J2ME yeah. games. Yeah, that's right. And they were building some multiplayer thing called Arena, um, which I think Mike Latham actually created the Heat, the Heat network. And then they Nokia bought it. And that, that, buying that, they also bought some people to go along with it. <laughs> so I, I weaseled in there. And uh, I liked I liked the 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 uh, end gauge the original one the taco because yeah. it was such a it was such a weird thing it had an FM radio that's mad nice. so, like, <laughs> why I mean I think there was a can opener somewhere <laughs> in there and, and and the other funny thing about it was like the guys at Nokia you know in Finland decide. Yeah. Uh, let's make a game phone. So they, they found this phone. It was like another failed project. It was for something else. It was like the businessman's multimedia symbian yeah. device. It wasn't a game. It wasn't for games. But they repurposed it. and They made it the, the end gauge. Um, <laughs> and they said, you buy the game that you want. You take the battery out. You put the game in. Then you put the battery back. Then you put the, the cover of the end gauge back together. Now you have the game. So it's like so every time you want to change the game, you got to take the battery out. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but once you put the game in, you have the game. It's like they didn't even get that you're going to want to put uh, frequently change the game. Yeah. They figured, yeah, you you chose the game that you wanted, now you have it. <laughs> yeah. And it's there, fine. So it's like, ah, uh, there's like a bit of a cultural thing or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I, you know, my big idea was Mile High Pinball, and uh, you know that that's just, I th I think that's by far the best. And you know, obviously I'm biased, but damn, I think it's the best Engage game uh, yeah. that exists. But it was an enjoyable two two years. It was frustrating for me because uh, everything I presented was shot down. Even even uh, Mile High Pinball, the only reason why it exists is because they couldn't kill it. Because we did it so inexpensively. It just right, didn't yeah. make sense to kill it. But, you know, we had like a golf title. They killed it. We had uh, a, a poker title. They killed it. We had this uh, space shooter like Star Raiders, but 10 times better with server served aliens and all kinds of great stuff. They killed it. <laughs> so it was like two years of a weird time. kill, 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 kill. And then I was like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> and, I, and then I had to leave. And then, Ed, you went on to obviously create your own companies. Um, really briefly, because I know we've been talking for a long time yeah. now. What, what have I'm you got to hang up soon? That's, that, that's fine, Ed, but yeah, what's <laughs> really quickly, what sort of games are you working on right now then? Oh, um, I'm making some games on this, um, this new display technology from a company called Leia. Am I allowed to talk about it? I think I'm allowed to talk about this. Yeah, so. Um, because my games are on, so they have this technology. It's sort of like uh, 3DS, uh, the Nintendo yep, 3D yep, yep. DS. Um, it. uh, so it's like that, but it's it's an iPad, like the size of an iPad, and the 3D without glasses or anything looks stunningly good. So I, I got to put a couple of my games, Super Smash Ball, 
uh, is on there. Yeah, Slice, yeah, yeah. which is the puzzle game with sharp knives, uh, all stick, no carrot. Um, and another, and I'm working on another game called Baby Boom that I'm trying to get on there, and uh, another game. So working on those games Beautiful. for that company for that technology, which is which is exciting. And then uh, got some dolphin stuff going and some VR stuff going. But the the way I work is I just push yeah. each thing a little bit. If I if I get an inch forward, that's good. And then I go to the next one, move that one an inch forward, and I just keep doing it until they ripen to the point where I can make a deal with somebody and then actually you know, get it out into the market. So we've got several games kind of in that, that nebulous you, pandemic state. L- yeah. L- Ed, you've been a real, real, I mean, it's maybe a brilliant interview. I really appreciate your time. I've really enjoyed your answers. So, so many great stories. Um, obviously yeah. you're on, you're on Twitter. Um, yeah. Oh, thanks for saying that. I, I always, I forget to say, please push my Twitter. <laughs> it's the only social media I do. So, yes, please continue. What were you going to say about my Twitter? Uh, I was, yeah, I was just going to say your handle, but I don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> I'm going to, I should have it saved up here. Do you want to give, what is your handle on Twitter? If you don't want me to it's Ed Anunziata. There you go, Ed, Ed Anunziata. Yeah. I've, yes. So, honestly, Andy, you do some really good sort of Q&As and um, some great stuff on there, actually, I have to say. Um, Thank you. I've got one final question. We ask all our guests, and it's a bit of a silly question, um, but but it's been such a pleasure. But the final question I want to ask you, Ed, is if you could share a few drinks with any video game character, who would you choose and why? If I could have a drink with a yeah, character. Yeah, a few drinks of a character. Have a, a bit a of a few, laugh. A few. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. It can't be one of mine, right? It can be. be. It can be. Hmm. I wish I knew about this question before you asked it. <laughs> Mr. Bones good, would be very good, would he? Because the it, drinks would go straight through him. But. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he'd have something funny to say. He would, actually. Uh, uh, let me think. Just give me a second. You could edit out my think time, right? You know no what? problem. Yeah, no give problem. me a second to think about it. That's a great question. Who? I think the dude from Red Dead Redemption. Oof. Yes. The main I character. Have, I, I want to have whiskey and a dirty glass with that guy. <laughs> that's that's a new answer. I'll tell you what, we usually get Lara Croft as the answer. i tell you. But that's a great answer, yeah. Yeah, Ed, I'm married. Ed, Ed. Yeah, no, good. No, fair enough, Ed. <laughs> uh, that's a great answer. And thank you so much for your time today, Ed. I really mean it. And it's been All a real right, pleasure and honour. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. You can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash arcadeattackuk. Check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots more retro gaming goodness and to delve into our archives. Our podcasts are also available on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review and a rating, we'd really appreciate it. If you'd like to support Arcade Attack, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash arcadeattack which will give you access to exclusive podcasts, interviews, and other bonus content. So, until next time, take care, and we'll speak to you soon.